Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to another segment here on GEMS Podcast. For those of you that are new to the platform, my name is Ms. Genesis Amaris Kemp. I am the founder and host. And for those of you that are seasoned listens, listeners, welcome back. Today with me is Barbara and Mojica, and we are going to be talking about education from a school perspective and how that applies to children so we could prepare them for the, for the future. And she's also going to weave in some history components here and there. But here's more about Barbara. Barbara is an author, educator, and parent. Barbara Ann Mojica provides tools to inspire, entertain, and educate youth. History is the key to solving today's problems. Tired of being bombarded by social media noise. Accept the challenge. Be a truth teller. Barbara Ann Mojica has a MA, SAS, SDA, is a historian and retired educator. Her education career spans more than 40 years of serving as a teacher, special educator, principal, and school district administrator. Using the whimsical Little Miss History character to narrate her book series, she makes learning history a fun-filled adventure. Barbara firmly believes if you don't know your history, you don't know what you're talking about. So without further ado, let's welcome Barbara and Mojica. Hi, Genesis. Thanks for having me today. My pleasure, Barbara. So let's jump into the connection part of the segment, which is the part where we get to connect with you in a fun and personal way. And the audience gets to know a little bit more about you outside of the main topic. So there are two options. We can do either an icebreaker or a rapid fire 10 question game. What are you in the mood for? Okay, hit me with the rapid fire. Okay, here we go. We're playing rapid fire with Genesis and Barbara. Do, 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 do. Question number one. What made you get involved in the education space? I love kids and I loved teaching. Uh, in general, I just like always learning about new things. I always had a passion for exploring new ideas and new concepts. So it seemed to be a good match to me. Question two, what was your favorite childhood story? Lots. I loved to read. So there were lots. I think one of my favorites definitely was Bambi. I love the golden books and I love Bambi. Question three, what is your drink of choice? Coffee, tea, or something else? Uh, Coffee, definitely coffee. I have to have that in the morning to get me going. Question four, if you could have lunch or dinner with any person past or present, who would it be and why? I think Abraham Lincoln because he was such a, an influential, but still such a natural down to earth person and such a, such a complex person. But he, I identify with him, first of all, because I share a birthday with him. 
And secondly, because I was born into a relatively poor family and I had to make my way on pretty much on my own in the sense that I didn't have a lot of money. I had to work really hard to get myself into college and through college. So I really identified with Abraham Lincoln and of course what he accomplished in, in our history. Question five, you get three random acts of kindness per day that you're supposed to do for someone else. What are your three for today? Kindness gratitude and I think the third one would be respect. Question six, if you could have any superpower, what would it be? Time travel. I'd love to travel back in time and experience lots of different eras in history. Question seven, what's one piece of advice you wish someone would have gave you when you started out as an educator? Uh, as an educator, hmm. <laughs> I think it would be to have more confidence in myself because when I first started, I was pretty intimidated. I walked into a classroom of 56 fifth graders and they were only about 10 years younger than I was because I started teaching at the age 20. So I was pretty intimidated. It worked out really well, but I think I, I would have, had more confidence in myself to initially I, I i should have because everything worked out well okay question eight this is a yes or no question and we'll dive into it further in the segment so do you think we have made progress in our education system from back when you started to where we are now or is there still more more work that needs to be done in order to correct some of the inefficiencies Yes or no? Uh, no, I don't think we've made enough progress. I think there's still more work to be done. So okay. I don't know how to really frame that in the yes or no. Do we have we made enough progress? No. Okay, we'll dive into it as we um, get into the next segment. Question nine. So there are so many charities out there and you just hit the lottery in order to get all of your money released to change a chain you must contribute to three charities of your choice what charities are you donating to oh the first one would be a charity i'm already donating to saint jude's hospital for children i think that would be number one um the second one i think would be um a veterans organization like vfw or something similar and the third one would be uh to cancer research in general maybe something to sloan kettering or one of the other cancer research centers amazing and question 10 this is the fun one here so there's two options here you could either pass or play. If you pass, our roles are reversed and this is where you get to ask me a question. If you choose to play, I ask one last question to wrap up rapid fire. So do you wanna pass or play? I'll play. Okay, last question. This is an easy one. 
What's your favorite food? Oh. <laughs> Probably pizza. Probably pizza. Amazing, Barbara. And thank you for playing rapid fire. This concludes the connection part of the segment. Now we're going to dive into the main part of the segment, which is the work that you're doing from an educational standpoint. We're going to talk about um, your career and how can we do a better job to prepare our younger generation for success. And now we're going to dive in dive into that because you have so much knowledge in this area because you've had various areas that you were involved in from an educational standpoint. So think about all of that when you answer this question. We talked about um, the progress and your answer to that question in rapid fire was no. We have not made as much progress as we should have. Would you like to elaborate on why you felt the way you did? Okay, well, I spent 40 years in education and I served in a lot of different capacities. So I started out in general education. So I worked with children in the general population and I taught everything from kindergarten through seventh grade. But as I progressed in my career, I became aware that of the fact that so many children's needs weren't being met appropriately. And I got interested in special education. So I went back to school and I took another uh, degree and certification in special education. And from that point, I began working with children on the opposite end of the spectrum. So children with really intense special needs like autism, uh, CP, uh, Down syndrome, crack cocaine babies, all kinds of really severe educational and emotional needs. So I began working with really small children. I worked with the special ed preschool population. And I really, really enjoyed that because it exposed me to more of the educational process. And now I was not only working with teachers and parents and students, but I was working with speech therapists and occupational therapists and physical therapists and psychologists as a team. So that was a whole different approach to learning. And I became a principal of a special ed preschool. So then I was kind of elaborating my previous knowledge of curriculum and lesson planning, but I was also working with this multidisciplinary team. So I was responsible for uh, providing staff development for the children and the adults. I, so the, I was meeting social emotional needs. I was meeting academic needs, you know, physical needs. It was very interesting experience. And then from that, I went on to be for a short time until there was a big reorganization uh, and layoff. I was a school district administrator. And I, at that point, was working with a very large city school system. And I was 
determining the program. So I was testing and evaluating the students and then determining the programs that they would be placed in and developing their uh, individual educational program and their needs. So that gave me a whole new perspective in that in that capacity i was fighting for the appropriate program for the kids and working with the parents to make sure that they were aware of their rights and responsibilities and how they could best get what their child needed so that was kind of like the arc of my career and it involved me you know doing different things and being exposed to different parts of education and how the system worked and what its strengths were and then of course what its failures were so i don't think enough has been done uh we don't really get children with special needs in a lot of cases what they need part of that is the fault of the uh, administration, but a lot of that is the fault of uh, the parents and all of the players who, who really need to learn how to work together to fight for what kids need. Absolutely. And too many parents don't do that. And, you know, their children as a result of that kind of fall below uh, what they could achieve and, you know, they get lost. Uh, and I think that, you know, we need to have more of an emphasis on that. Uh, in, in many cases, uh, the funding isn't appropriated correctly. Uh, there are so many variables, but I don't think education is succeeding, especially in the special education area. Now in the general education area, what has happened is we have gone to this common core and I've seen this evolve over time. So one second, I, really quick, Barbara, I want to break it apart before um, before you talk about the general population, because I want to highlight something about the special okay. education. So it's also connecting with the audience, especially if they have someone in their family that is special needs or within the special education. So yesterday I um interview a lady who was um, in a wheelchair and she talked about growing up in in school she was the only one in her entire school that had a wheelchair and mind you she's 33 years old currently so just going back and she said there were certain things that she was not able to do because of her um her disability, she had brittle bones um, syndrome. So sometimes she needed, you know, to lay, she needed to lay down in order to get all her work done. And there were so many intricates around that. And, you know, she had an aid and et cetera. But now fast forwarding to where we are currently um, in this day and age, 2022, we see that from a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging standpoint, they are trying to populate some of the special ed um, students in regular general population classes, which is taking away some of the resources and the information that they need because there is not enough teachers to the students. So that's also a factor with costs right there. And there are yes. so many other things that are taking place. And I feel if we're not looking at it from a holistic standpoint, then we are also missing the mark here because it comes down to administrators, 
the top, it comes down to teaching. Um, is there enough staff to go around? It also comes up down to parents to advocate, but if those parents are so busy trying to work and provide for their students, they may not, um, for their children, they may not always be able to attend some of the critical meetings because they have them during the time that those parents are working. And if they get off at five, if they get off at five o'clock, that meeting may have already concluded. So how are we ensuring the information is really being relayed across the board? So I just wanted to interject that there because I think those are some aspects to be mindful of. So it doesn't sound like we're just um, pointing fingers here. We want to make sure we're looking at the holistic scope of things and then breaking it down to a granular level. Right. I, I, I understand that the point, uh, but I had a case of with one particular parent when I was in the administration role, and she was a doctor who had come over here from Romania and she had to redo her internship. She was working 20 hours a week, uh, 20 hours at, at some point, sometimes 20 hours a day. And she was so super busy. But when I told her that it was only one way for her to get the kind of program that her child need, which was only available in one particular school outside of the normal setting. So in other words, the district would have to pay a lot of extra money to send her child to this school. And she said, well, let's do it. I said, you're gonna to have to fight and put an appeal in and it's, and it's gonna take time, but if you stick to your guns, I will write everything up and make sure that they address it. And she won. I mean, this woman was like frazzled with all the things she was juggling, but she got the program. She got her son into the school. It cost the district probably about $20,000 in lawyer's fees because they of course appealed it, but she won. And to me, it was such an inspiration as to what a parent could do. The thing is though that the parents have to ask what their rights are. There, you know, there are parent bill of rights. If when it's determined that a child has a special need, the parent really has to go through that handbook that they get. And if they don't understand it, you know, ask, go to this go to the school psychologist, go to the social worker, have somebody sit down and work with you to explain it because it, you know, it can be done. And uh, it, it, it's just a matter of, they, they take advantage of the fact that so many parents are busy and so many parents are trying to juggle things. I've, I've worked with parents uh, who, were immigrants and working in, in a store 10 hours a day, you know, trying to juggle things with a special needs child, no less as well. So it, it can be done, but in, in most cases, it's, it's a case of, well, the parent didn't know, so the parent didn't ask and, you know, it, it just doesn't get done. But the administration of, of many, many school districts do take advantage. And as you said, there's a tendency to put these children with special needs in a 
group in a classroom with with general population what whatever they call it depending on where it is team teaching collaborative teaching uh cooperative classroom whatever they call it but the kids don't get their needs met in there and again i've had situations where i had to petition to move children out of a classroom like that because their needs weren't being met i was the special ed teacher and I had to advocate. It took me six months, but I finally got the child out of that classroom into a special needs classroom. Wow, so that's a really great point. And I wanna switch gears here because um, we know the general the general population or whatever it's called, depending on what whatever neck of the woods you're listening to this segment, mm -hmm. what are some, um, some key problems in the educational system today and how can we solve them? And whenever I ask, how can we solve them? I mean, each one of us has a part to play, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're an administrator, whether you're a paraprofessional or et cetera, if we could all come together and do it in a way that is collaborative, where we're thinking about what's in the best interest for children, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, I think we could push the needle forward progression wise because things are not gonna get done if we remain silent and we keep overlooking certain things. It's just gonna keep repeating. And then we're setting up those children for, fa for failure. Well, I think one of the big things is with the common core kind of focus that, you know, everybody has to teach to meet certain standards in a certain way teachers are forced to spend too much time teaching to the test teaching children to meet arbitrary standards and the, the data shows that we're not succeeding at that because 20 years ago the united states was at the top in, ter uh, in terms of worldwide educational standards and achievement and we've fallen way way down since then. So obviously we're spending all this time doing that and we are not succeeding. The children are not doing better on the testing and they're not learning any better than, than we claim that we're going to bring them all up to standard, but we're not being Absolutely. able to do that. So I want to, let me just can I clear I want to clarify something really quick here Barbara so what you just said and this is coming from your perspective of being an administrator and a principal is that if we keep teaching these children how to pass these standardized tests and not really teaching them how to apply the content that they are learning then we're only setting them up for success did I hear that correctly we're setting them up for a big disappointment uh I think we spend altogether too much time with the what, the facts, the figures that the administration wants to see implemented in order to pass these tests, that we're spending so much time with teacher training to do arbitrary programs that come and go because the a lot of the administrations get lots of grant money for trying new things. And then they spend a lot of this grant money training the teachers. And half the time they throw the program out before they've even 
done any 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 substantial progress with it. I can give you an example. I worked in a in a large city school. They wanted to implement a new computer program. They spent millions of dollars on the new computer program. They spent time training teachers, training techs to implement the program. They wound up throwing the program out in less than a year because it didn't work. All of that time was wasted. They pulled teachers out of classroom teaching time to train them. They put substitutes in the classroom. And, and this happened more and more and more during my teaching career. I, I kept seeing this amount of time increase and increase, increase. And then they give the teachers more paperwork because they want them to rationalize every little single bit of data. So teachers are spending more time justifying what they're doing, which isn't working in the first place. Wow. And now we're going to jump into the call to action part of the segment due to the time constraint and commitment. So we're going to have to bring you back for a part two, Barbara. But um, based on the information that you have shared today, what is your call to action for the audience so they could go out and do more research and look into this to see how can they be a solution to the problem and how can all of us do our part to help this education system? Because even if you don't have kids in the education system now, you may later on and the seeds that we sow today we can reap a harvest later on well i think parents and teachers have to get back to teaching kids how to think critically and this of course ties in with history because history involves lots of critical thinking we have to teach kids how to think by that i mean the brain is 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 the is what's developing in our children and it is still undeveloped. And in order to make it develop and develop to its full capacity, we have to use it. So with critical thinking, we're demanding that the brain learns how to, in, how to employ all of these skills. So what are these skills? Being able to focus on a problem. We have to teach children how to focus. With social media, with all the distractions they have today, children do not know how to focus. Just stop and, and rationally analyze information. They don't do that. They go to the internet, they pop in a question, they get the answer, oh, this is the answer. Do they take time to see if that's the only answer? Do they take time to see if that's a real factual answer, maybe it's an opinion, maybe it's bias. So we have to teach kids, what are facts? What are opinions? What's the difference? How do you tell the difference? We have to help them to learn logic in their thinking, not emotion. And parents can help to do this too. They can show children that there's more than one way of thinking about something. When kids say, oh, well, yeah, I, I looked this up, I got the answer. We could say, oh, that's one way of doing it, but can you think of another way of doing it? Or how about this? Give them an alternate uh, suggestion. So we have to teach them uh, to kind of resist all of these influences that are swirling around them and to develop strategies to kind of control their ego and to just 
solve problems by thinking, analyzing, uh, interpreting different opinions, and then sifting through them by and and find some kind of conclusion. Amazing. And then I want you to plug your website, your main website that has all of your information, like um, your social medias and all of that will be backlink and I'll put it in the show notes. Well, my main website is, is my site little, it's simply littlemisshistory.com. And that's the name of my book series. That's the name of the site. From that site, you can get to all of my books. There were 14 currently. You can see where to buy them. You can get all of my other free resources. So I have a blog. I do book reviews. I review uh, family-friendly books for all ages on my book, my blog site. I give tips and tricks for parents and teachers and authors. I have a YouTube channel. On my YouTube channel, I put teaching videos. I have videos on citizenship, facts and opinion, uh, critical thinking, uh, and all different curriculum areas. So I do videos not only on history, but I do videos on all different subjects, math, science, reading, writing, and so on. Amazing. So they can get they can get that information there. And I have um, other social media outlets, uh, Pinterest, I keep a, a, an active Pinterest site. So the resources that I find, like books, videos, uh, curriculum, I post them on my Pinterest board. If they're looking for something specific, they can go hit the Pinterest link and, and go there. And then of course, all the regular social media channels. Uh, Amazing. Uh, so that's all going to be on your website because it's all on my website and an in instant chat. They can chat with me or okay. they can send me an email from there as well. Okay, perfect. Because I just don't want uh, to send them to multiple places because then they won't remember. So audience, just to clarify, all of her, uh, Barbara's information will be on www.littlemisshistory.com and all the things she mentioned after the fact will be backlinked to that website. So there's one place that you go to, uh, which is the center of all of her expertise, and then it'll take you out to the other sites. Audience, make sure you like, comment, follow, and subscribe. We're on 40 plus platforms. This video recording is on our YouTube channel. You could go to GEMS, G-E-M-S, with Genesis Amaris Kemp. And lastly, but not least, thank you so much once again for tuning in and supporting the mission and the movement behind the podcast, which is to bring on topics that are educational, inspirational, and motivational while we weave in diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So until the next guest, next segment, peace love, and lots of blessings. Have yourself an amazing day. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor, so please reach out via email at Gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P.
at gmail.com where your brand, your swag, your services can be here on GEMS Podcast.